Welcome back to episode number nine of the tasting room. Woo! We're getting close we, to two hands. We are getting close to two, two hands. hands. Jazz uh, hands. That's, Jazz uh, hands. Yay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Andrew Jolly from Double Shot Coffee Company is our guest today. Uh, a he, lot of passionate talk about not only coffee, but just community and pushing things forward and just all sorts and of And just stuff. life and engagements. Yeah. yeah. And uh, really uh, an essence of, you know, you know, why Tulsa is uh, is a compassionate and yep. uh, a, a, a passionate city that really takes care of every, everyone within the neighborhood. Absolutely. And this one's a little bit on the longer side, close to two, two hours? hours. So we're just going to go ahead and get right to it on the other side of the break. You see him coming in right now. Andrew Jolly, stay tuned. Cheers. Hey, I'm John. I'm one of the partners here at Grassfire Creative. We are a production company. We do animation, video production, live production, anything you need to creatively tell both your story and your business's story. Along with the content that we create, we also provide the strategy behind how to get it in front of the eyeballs that matter to you. We're located right in the middle of the United States in Tulsa, Oklahoma, so no matter where you are, we're just a short flight away. Bottom line is we are very excited to both meet you and tell your business's story. Please do reach out to us one of the ways below via email or phone number and check out more about us at our website, grassfirecreative.com. Welcome to the tasting room and Thank you for being here. We have a lovely friend that uh, friend of the show. Yeah, we could sure. say Andrew Thanks. Jolly hey. from Double Shot. Thanks. With welcome the, to the, the welcome coolest to the podcast. business card because no, it says what the governor. Yeah, yeah. The I think, governor of Double Shot. Oh, that's really cool. It still yeah. says governor. Although I don't, I think I feel like I like that title should be retired. Retired, maybe a little bit, maybe a mild amount, just because there have been so many others who have joined the joined the fair, team. Fair. So who knows I think what you've my next iteration of governor though? Like maybe you're the attorney general. I'm um I'm the York <laughs> of York, <laughs> the York of Double Shot. Well, before we start, um, congratulations, newly engaged. Yeah, so Andrew I've heard Jolly. through the grapevine. I am. I am. Are you still on cloud twelve, or are you back down to reality? I'm not gonna lie, guys. It's it's easily the most surreal experience of my life. Sure, like, absolutely. Tell us everything. a story. How'd you do it? Oh, How'd it happen? Oh, Come on. Um. Uh. I won't like go like crazy into detail because sure. it is a long story, but um, Natalie and I have been together for five years now. Okay. Uh, okay. We were debating that. Before. I didn't know yeah. how long. I thought it was the whole time I've known you, but it was close. It's, it's so pretty darn years. close. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you met me, you met us when like one of our like first or second yeah, vacations I moved here together. In 11. Yeah. So I was going to say it was like, close. We went and whenever we went and met you in Denver, like yeah. it was, was yeah, probably yeah, yeah. like, I think our second vacation together, maybe okay. even our first. I'm, I mean, we've done so many things together. It's kind of run together. And but, time flies. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So we've been together for about five years and I knew that on our 30th birthday, I wanted to pop the question. Awesome. Right make it a thing. And uh, I worked with Dylan Rose here in town in Tulsa. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, she, like, Rachel did such an amazing job designing the ring. Um, I am like blown away with what I was able to do. I was able to, sit down with her, have like a custom engagement ring put together based off of like 
five years worth of notes. It looked so different cool. too because it was darker, right? Uh, I did all sapphires okay. and like I picked out every stone and uh, it's 18 karat gold. So like the the gold itself like has like a different texture. And we say this, I, I didn't know any of this until I sat down with Rachel and she was like, well, here's what, here's what this looks like. Here's what this looks like. And here's the differences. You know, some people prefer this because, I mean, she's incredible. Like working with her was probably That's one awesome. of easily one Shout of the out. comfortable experiences I've ever had. Like yeah. when it comes to like, like doing awesome. nice things and like curating something nice, like highly recommend that mm -hmm. for anybody if, if possible. Like it was, it was awesome. But designed that with hair custom because um, I had some very specific things that I knew Natalie wanted. I was able to go to Philbrook. Um, I worked with Seth Barnett. Um, Seth shoots film on Instagram. He was able to kind of set me up for the perfect proposal situation. We met at Philbrook and he was like, oh, hey, bud. Good to see you, man. I haven't seen you in a while. I was like, oh, Seth, good to see you. What are you doing Crazy here? running into you here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, he was like, well, I'm just taking some photos. Looks pretty good around here. Thought I'd get some shots. I've never been to this event and want to take some photos. And he's like, well, I got my camera here. Can I get a little shot of you guys? I was like, oh, well, of course, bud. Well, thank you. That's very thoughtful. And uh, tried to play it off like it was very normal. And me and Natalie went. We got one single picture together. And then uh, Seth was like, oh, I got to take a second one. First one didn't turn out. Or let's get me one more just to make sure. And on the second one is when I popped the question. Awesome. It was That's a awesome. surreal experience. I'm not going to lie, guys. Like, I'm very pumped about that. And the entire time you're standing there, I imagine the heart is... <laughs> I mean, I mean I, just 150 I miles don't an hour. I don't know how to like explain. I I, I think I blacked out. <laughs> that, that makes sense. That like, totally makes sense. Um, you know, Natalie was asking me. She's she like, actually said no. She said <laughs> no. no, and I just said uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. <laughs> just put that ring on the finger. Right, got it. Right, you know? right, right. <laughs> no. Oh, that's funny. Uh, I mean, he did great. Rachel did great making that ring. Like. All, all of my goals and intentions like came to life with designing that ring with her. And then uh, Katie, which you guys have already had on your podcast, was like hosted us at American Slayer for a little after party. Oh, like, that's oh, awesome. 30th cool. birthday and a little um, engagement, surprise engagement party for her and oh, uh, for some of the guests involved. That's so I didn't, awesome. I didn't tell either of our mothers. And oh, how cool. Oh, that's man. cool. Uh, and I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I'm, I'm literally still coming down from it. It's, it's easily one of the most surreal and... Uh, exciting experiences of my life. You guys like, are both I appreciate people. you guys asking me about it. Like, yeah. It means a lot. You're both oh, great yeah. people <laughs> and it's it's cool to see great people yeah, like together. Uh, it's just a cool, it's a cool thing. Well, that seriously means a lot, guys. Thank you for, of course. for bringing that up. That's super thoughtful. And of course, we got, to, we got to lead with the biggest news. Oh, that's know? right. Uh, so <laughs> as we get started with Austin's question, I know you brought some hot liquid. So let's I did. pour some coffee I did. first. Before, Tell us what, yeah. You, yeah, what you brought. So I went ahead and I before I came here, I made a pour over for you guys. Both of you been in my shop, and I'm, I'm sure this is something you've had oh, before, yeah. but maybe some of the viewers aren't familiar with some of the things that we do. But uh, Double Shot Coffee Company, we, we roast all of our own coffee um, from, and we source all of our own coffee as well. So anything that we curate there is something that we have specifically purchased so that we could make sure that we're giving you the best coffee experience mm. through our lens of what we think good coffee looks like. Uh, and, and this is, I think, probably one of the coolest things that we've done. So... What I brought today is our Colombia Maduro. This comes from uh, Hacienda El Botón in Colombia, uh, produced by uh, Ariel Montoya. He's the producer. And this is um, a coffee that is specifically produced for us uh, by uh, Hacienda cool. El Botón. And I wanted to bring it because I think it is probably the best representation of us as a company in terms of 
the ideas that we want to represent when it comes to working with a producer. Um, typically in Colombia, you don't always see uh, naturals or dry processed coffees as this one is uh, being produced on a commercial scale. A lot of that has to do with um, specialty coffee regulation for what's being exported out of Colombia. I think a lot of things have changed since we first produced this back in, I think, 2009, I think was the first iteration of this production of crop mm-hmm. and, and being mm-hmm. harvested and and um, turned into roastable coffee, if you will, this way. That's I think that's the easiest way to translate harvesting coffee and making it something you can roast is you, you take it from its fruit form and you take the seed, which is the coffee... The coffee bean is the coffee seed and you turn it into something you can roast. And depending on the way that you do that, you will get a, I would say an aggressively different coffee. Um, Mm -hmm. No matter how, like whether you separate it by uh, mechanical separation, whether you do it by in, in its whole cherry form and then separate it and then allow it to be roasted. Or if you do it in a myriad between the two, there's, there's Mm -hmm. a couple different methodologies and there's so many little nuances between here and there. Um, so like, it will actually change the flavor. Oh, if absolutely. You, if you do it by hand or by mechanical form. Yeah. So um, let's let's talk about that a little bit. And and while I'm talking about that, I'll go ahead and start pouring yeah, some coffee for you guys to yeah. taste because I think this will give us a really good representation of what we're trying to do. Um, so coffee's a fruit. It grows on trees um, and it grows in a cherry. So um, like most fruits if not all fruits, I can only think of a few examples like uh, plantains mm-hmm. are good to eat unripe. I like unripe plantains, roasting them, making tostones with those. Mm. Um, I don't know if Chef you guys- Jolly coming Ooh. in over here. <laughs> I wish I could tostones. have brought some. That would have been great. That would have uh, been. tostones. Um, I, I think there's really not so very good. many fruits that you would eat or want to have like unripened. Cheers, buddy. Uh, cheers to you guys. Cheers. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. Ripe fruit is the normal, like where it's at. Yeah. I think I think coffee is a lot like that. Um, if you harvest coffee when it's unripe, it's going to taste like unripe fruit in the cup, no matter how you roast it. Mm. Um, it will taste literally, and I, th- I think you guys can understand what I mean when I say the word, like something tastes green. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think we, uh, as a brewer, I'm sure that that, that comes across it in hops. Um, in a lot of different ways, yeah. And it, and it comes across in, in coffee as well. Like underripe coffee when roasted, it'll taste like underripe fruit. It'll be overly bright. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Will not have developed sweetness because I mean that's really where this comes from. You know, like we want coffee that is ripens ripens slowly. That's why you see people talking mm-hmm. about and bragging about whether it's somebody that's like the double shot coffee company or any other company you see that it, like sometimes you even see this on commercial grade things in the store where they're like, it's, this is shade grown coffee, right? Um, shade right, grown is something it. you would kind of have desirable in some fruits and vegetables because it allows for longer sugar development, which would produce a sweeter yeah. cup or a sweeter product in the end game. Huh. So coffee is, is the same exact way. So we, we grow coffee cherries on coffee trees they are ripened to the crux of ripeness. Um, that's actually where the namesake of this coffee comes from. Maduro just means ripe. Uh, you, you see that same word come across in, in like cigar production as well. It yeah. just means mm-hmm. like very mature tobacco leaves. Uh, it's the same thing with with coffee. Like when we talk about Maduro, it just means means ripe fruit. Is what we're really referring to. Hmm. And the first time that we ever 
or one of the first times we ever produced this fruit and we were kind of communicating about like what we expected from it. Um, and, and when we were and really honestly, when I think maybe some of us, maybe not necessarily Brian Franklin, owner operator of Double Shot Coffee, but maybe myself and other other people that were involved, uh, we were talking about you know the difference between Maduro and, and Pinton, which is uh, Pinton is like half ripe. It's like mm. fruit that like is partially green, partially red, mm -hmm. and um, maybe in some coffee production situations, like in commercial coffee production, which every coffee bean has a home, it has to have a home. Uh, farmers have to have an opportunity to be able to sell their coffee, whether it is in, in certain markets. And, and many farmers all across the world produce coffees that are both sold on the specialty grade market and on commodity markets because, I mean, there just has to be a home for all these things, you know? And you have to be able to, to produce something mm. for certain aspects of stuff. And that's right. not unusual. Um, and how many times can you harvest in a year? Or how many times is, this, is the coffee bean able to be taken off the tree? Uh, I mean, that is an, an awesome question, actually, and, and kind of more of a... So harvesting coffee is a, a unique situation, I right? was going to guess once a year. Once a year, uh, I think of it as a period of time as opposed to one pass, like where you would gotcha. go through your field and harvest everything from the field and let it go. Okay. Um, think of it as a period of time is how coffee harvesting works. So basically... Whenever we're harvesting coffee, we we do it in waves because everything doesn't ripen on the coffee tree at the same rate. Mm, that um, makes sense. Coffee trees take a long time to reach production maturity, close to five years, if not longer, to where we can have something in. And, and granted, you have to remember, this is like we are planting plots and fields mm -hmm. worth of coffee trees to reach production, like something where it can be sold to us um, in 130 pound, 152 or 98 pound uh, bags, depending on how extensive some of the production mm -hmm. or yield or grading some of the stuff is, you know, some of our higher end coffees come to us in very small quantities. Uh, and then things like Maduro, which we're going to buy a whole harvest of, you know, those will come in large scale coffee production bags, you know, anywhere from, like I said, 130, 150, 112. Mm. Different countries produce different sizes of bags, sure. so it kind of depends on where you're oh. getting things from. And I, I, even then, like what I quoted might be totally, yeah, but <laughs> totally <laughs> off. It, it paints a picture. It, it, yeah. I don't think you guys get what the point I'm making yeah. here. But uh, with Maduro, you know, we, what we've done here is we've done what's called a dry process coffee. Um, and uh, it's all harvested ripe and then dried ripe. And it's kind of difficult to do because, you know, what we brought up with is coffee harvesting. Um you have to send waves of hand pickers. Like literally it's a job that, mm -hmm. you know, uh, a lot of workers, uh, they'll spend a period of time on one farm and then they'll spend a period of time on another farm. Have you done that when you went to visit the farms? Did you pick it I've up? only done it from like a, I mean, like a, <laughs> like a gringo's perspective. Sure, sure. Like, sure. I, showed I'm up, I showed up and I was like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> like I'm not doing anything like what They're actual like, workers do. Yeah, so you're so cute. Yeah, I mean, they like knock it out of the park, but because nothing ripens at the same rate. I mean, you've got this big tree with, with long gangly limbs and they grow in clusters, mm. but they don't ripen at the same rate. So you Within have to, the cluster? Um, even within the cluster, yeah, you'll Dang. have, you know, so uh, you'll, you'll go through these fields of stuff and you'll see trees that have like the bottom half of them is ripe and the top half is not ripe at all. It's all green. Hmm. And so pickers will come through, wow. they'll, they will pick specifically only the cherries. Like it's very, it's also a very specific technique that like takes time to learn. Like 
when I go, when I've gone and done it, like, man, I'm so slow. <laughs> so why isn't all coffee more expensive then? If it's such a, <laughs> that's a great question. Right. John. If it's, if it's such an arduous task and like such a, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Like sweat equities type job. No, right. right. You're right. totally right. Yep. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it's because it's in a different country and they don't pay those workers the amount that you would if it was in America. Probably has something to do with it. I, I think. I mean, I think that has a lot to do with it, and uh, that's something that I feel like we try to be very intentional about. Is Conscientious of, like, yeah. You charge. I feel like what is the proper amount for coffee that has that kind of a story and, and you know everything that yeah comes with it. It, it and even then, it's it's difficult. I'm not gonna lie. Like even then, like we probably I, I, we have to eat a little bit of the cost compared to the customer eating the cost. Because, I mean, we have to make sure that the people that we're working with, and we try to work with the same producers consistently. Like, we've been working with Hacienda Obatone since before I worked there. Mm. And I've been there with the company for almost 10 years. And he's Brian wow. has been working with Ariel for forever. And I know we can trust Ariel. Um, mm-hmm. And he's going to always produce coffee that's high-end and great for us. Uh, we've been working with places like... Uh, uh, Finca El Tambor out of Guatemala for a long time. Uh, Hacienda La Manita out of Costa Rica and their uh, sister like their farm yeah. Yeah, down south. Uh, uh, Hacienda Rio Negro is located on the southern border of Costa Rica and Panama. Uh, we work with Finca Hartman, some of the most renowned uh, coffee producers in, in Panama. We worked with them for a long time, as well as a, a small boutique family that has been doing some incredible work in uh, specialty coffee, uh, Finca Bambito. Mm. Uh, in the Bermuda region of uh, Panama, it's. It, I, I would be lying though if I said that we didn't just like. I mean, we we buy good coffee from who's going to give us good coffee. I mean, we we still buy from brokers. Sure, you know, we still sure. have people that we, yeah. we that we have connections with that can give us coffee. It we've not. It's been difficult for us to be able to have like a a relationship with a producer in Ethiopia, not out of necessarily like people are unavailable for us to contact, but that's just not a area of the world that we have had the time to create relationships with and meet somebody or meet someone who knows several people and, and individuals within those mm-hmm. regions. Uh, we, we do have brokers that we feel comfortable working with and we think are doing the right things. Um, it's hard for us to buy from, we don't buy really from a lot of groupings of people, um, try to buy from very select pathways so that we know exactly what's happened with things. We know where it's coming from. We know who we're working with and mm. we know how the coffee is produced. Uh, I imagine it's a lot like anything else when it comes to getting down to the dirty details. Like you have to make sure that every little detail is, is yep. where you want it, whether that's like beer production or uh, I would say anything with media, you know, making sure that every person that has a job on every step of the production line is doing the job the way you would think it would mm-hmm. be done. And that's really the only reason we can only work with specific producers because without knowing exactly what they do from point A to point Z, I think coffee has so much, I think coffee, beer, food production, like every restaurant industry thing has this kind of like uh, Wizard of Oz, like man behind the curtain situation going on. 100%. And that's like something I really don't want. Uh, for my yeah, customers or for anybody that works with me, whether it's like a wholesale client or it's somebody who is coming in to buy a cup of coffee, whether it's what I just pour from the drip machine or something I make on the espresso machine or a pour over bar, I want them to have something that is transparent, mm. whether that's like 
a conversation that they can understand like the first time we talk about it or not. Right. I'd rather go ahead and just assume that most people are smart and want to talk about important things and want to talk about important parts of the food they yeah. consume, the drinks they consume. I get that. You know, yeah. and, and just share with them like this is where your coffee comes from. And I don't understand or I don't see any reason why coffee can't cost the same thing as like a, a really well-produced bottle of wine. And the thing with that is like you're going to drink a bottle of wine within like 24, 48 hours in my opinion. I would usually, ideally, right? usually, yeah. Yep. Uh, otherwise, some I'm people cool. seller it, but usually, <laughs> yeah. well, yeah, that, that's, yeah, that too, that too. Yeah. But I mean, if you're, you're opening something that day, you're, you're going to finish it in a short yeah, period yeah, of time. Yeah, yeah. And I think the same thing happens with coffee where coffee has a finite life that is accessible. You could drink it much later after it's rest date. If you'd like, I don't think you're going to get the same example of what their intentions were when they roasted it, mm. the roaster. But uh, I I don't see how it's much different than buying high end wine where there was a producer who had an intention and specifically yeah, did one thing that. or one style of thing with their with their wine and wanted to have an end result that when someone had it in their hands they did mm-hmm. something with it and I think coffee I think coffee is a lot of the same way but I don't necessarily know as like an American consumer culture we're ready for that all across the board. There are many of us that are and have been and are mm-hmm. readily a part of that culture. Right. Um, and, and that's not to say that there's really anything inherently wrong with uh, consumer culture about coffee that doesn't meet those needs because there has to be a window of opportunity, right? We have right. to find a, a gateway drug, right, for people. Sure. Um, and I think that if people don't have something that kind of bridges that gap all the time or if we're not willing as the 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 ambassadors like that's what my job really is like as a as a barista which or or a, a wholesale um, representative that's really my job is to be an ambassador for all these things so that people can understand like how important it is because somebody's all, somebody all the way in Colombia doesn't have a voice to share with you know the american's consumer like right here right now i mean they do like we've, now that we've reached a Right, a, con- right. a conglomerate of like world communication status, but right. that's not what people are going to do. Like within yeah. the five to ten minutes that maybe they're in inside my shop buying coffee or inside someone's brewery buying beer, you right? Know? And, I, yeah. and I think it's so important that you have an ability to communicate those needs and those. I agree. Reason that's that, so yeah. special, but not everybody's no, ready right. for that, and it takes a lot of coaching. Yeah, sure. Which I, I don't doubt you guys have been right. No, so that kind of leads me on. leads me pour into, a beer while you're yeah, asking yeah, your yeah. question too. Yeah, uh, whatever you want to start. So with. the question that I had in mind uh, when I was coming over here was, that's and it, the, the, mm-hmm. you've kind of already not. led into uh, led into this question. Thank you so much. But um, how how do you think Tulsa because uh, Tulsa's done a really great job of breaking down those barriers of teaching people about coffee and really being a, a, a pretty cultural hub for roasters specifically. Um, how do you think Tulsa became that? And because there is a lot of that's a good point. Some, some There's of the some good best, coffee shops in a relatively small town. Very, very. It, I've been. Mm-hmm. All over the world, mm-hmm. and some of the best roasters are here in Tulsa, in the world. Um, and you guys would have been definitely on the forefront of that. And so how how do you think Tulsa became 
kind of a hub for coffee. Um, and how do you see it influencing the coffee world and the, the coffee culture in surrounding areas? Uh, I think that's a great question. Um, I think that there have been a lot of individuals in Tulsa that have been very interested in coffee for a long time. And a lot of these individuals have taken what they know about coffee and what they do well in coffee and have ran with it. And I think a lot of people ran in different directions. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, that's the greatest thing that could have happened is that everybody decided to do something a little bit different mm. or yeah. have, have met a need that not every coffee shop is going to be able to do. Every roaster seems to have a very specific personality yeah, and tells their story within each cup very significantly different. Yeah, uh, I can picture in my mind uh, Topeka's spirit, Double Shot's spirit, Cirque's spirit, all, all of you guys have something that really tells your story specifically. And what would you say Double Shots is? I would say that with us, our main goal has always been to provide fresh, delicious coffee to as many people as possible, no matter what. Mm. Um, and do you feel like you've kind of what Austin asked you, like you've influenced like Double Shot Brian in general has, has influenced surrounding let's just keep it in the area right yeah. like surrounding states coffee shops in like Fayetteville with Onyx and, and you know different things like that do you, do you feel like there's a there's an I don't even know like is this like the point of influence in a way because of how popular double shot has become I mean I would I, I would say so and uh I can't imagine doing the work that we've done. I mean, I've been with the company for almost 10 years and I, I feel like I put in a lot of sweat equity. And yeah. yeah. I, you're the governor <laughs> you're, for you're, a reason, you're, you're one of the first people that I met in the coffee world, like on the ground level of we roast it, mm -hmm. we serve it, but also how, how far out do you guys sell your uh, coffee? We, I mean, we, we distribute and, and, and sell coffee all over the United States, if not all over the world. Um, you shipped to me when I was in Denver. Yeah. I was going to say, like, there are a lot yeah, of, there's a lot of online customers. Awesome. Uh, if you go to doubleshotcoffee.com, we will literally Plug. ship your coffee within, <laughs> <laughs> within like 24 hours of your order. But what was the best part but, about that? Not to interrupt you, but like it, it, I don't know. I don't know if I ever told you how much it meant to me in like a really weird, sappy way that on each of my orders, I would get a hand-drawn doodle from Jolly <laughs> yeah. with a note, with some awesome. sort of a note. And it was just like, oh, it just like reminded me, it was just like home, right? Yeah. Like, oh, it's, uh, that, well, that's I can't dap him up or give him a hug, but I can look at his drawing and, you know, <laughs> I mean, it was it was cool. I appreciate that. So thank I, you. I'm glad you, I'm glad it like made an impact because I it mean, did. literally like, yeah. I mean, that was my job for a while. Like I, I've since been, I've been so fortunate to have so many amazing individuals that want to come and work for the company. Like right now, Nick Millward, he's a, an incredible guy. He's been taking over all the online stuff that See I used the to English do. bloke. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and he's just been incredible when it comes to taking care of the online stuff and, and being a great, and like he reaches out to everybody individually that emails are, are like company email. And it's just like, Hey, this is what's going on with your order. Here's what's, here's what's happening. Here's what you need. Here's what's going to get there. Do you need anything else? What do you want me to throw in the box? And he writes handwritten notes, just like I did. That's awesome. And we've always like, there was somebody, uh, a long time ago when I was in college, I learned from Stratton Taylor, um, former Oklahoma Senator that, uh, 
handwritten notes go a long way and Absolutely. mean a oh, yeah. lot to people. And I know that it seems it's such a like, in all walks of life, like in, in any mm-hmm. anything. Oh my god, yeah, exactly. And 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 it's something that uh, I've always I always wanted to do with online orders. It's something that Brian always wanted to reiterate. He always did handwritten notes even mm-hmm. before me and him were doing the online orders together. He he always did handwritten notes, and I've always thought that was super important because I think yeah. it it's it's a lot different than typing a little thank you or just like putting the packing slip in a box and saying absolutely here you go here's your stuff hope matches what's on the paper yeah and that's always something that i thought was important nick i think really embodies that because he's taken it and ran with it even more than i could have and i think customer service is really at the end of the day like there's a there's a quote in the book setting the table it's one of my favorite books when it comes to talking about food service or even just like expectation management Mm -hmm. with people and Mm -hmm. and uh the quote is uh Oh man, here I go saying this thing. I know. <laughs> You're going to say a the, quote. The, the spirit of it is you basically, uh, it. Okay. yeah, go. I was going to say the spirit of it is basically like food service is like taking care of people, feeding mm-hmm. people, making people feel good. It's that easy and that hard. Yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah. so true. When it comes to, I mean, writing little notes, it, it probably takes me a while to do 40 to 50 handwritten notes, but I'll be damned if I'm, you know, I'm not yeah. going to sit there and like, Write something really nice and make sure people know. Like, and I, I know you haven't nice even you. asked your first question, but that goes really into my second question. Go ahead. No, you're good. Uh, and I want to. I want to. Yeah, track, yeah. So you're good. But I, I. So literally, the the question that I had in my mind is the kind of the dark side of the bean, uh, and going on that because I feel like coffee shops have it the worst. In customers coming to you and how do you, like, how does a barista do it with taking care of the customers and they're coming into your shop in the most cranky part Usually of their day? Usually they haven't had their coffee yet. I mean, I've even come into a coffee California. shop uh, cranky as hell. And, you know, all I can do is like, coffee, please walk out. Yeah. And the barista is, especially at Double Shot, Always the happiest person I've seen. I'm laughing because <laughs> my mental... And you, and you would be one of those people. Oh, yeah, I don't know. My mental image me. is I have seen at Double Shot multiple times Darren from Docs <laughs> stumble through that front door, hair a mess, like one sleeve on his jacket, the other out. And I just look at him. I'm like, hey, man, you all right? And he's like, I will be. <laughs> explain, he just, explain, he just needs his coffee. Because yeah. you guys have a fortitude that most humans don't. Where does that come from? <laughs> uh, I would say it comes from an understanding that... So, I mean, it kind of goes back to the original mission statement. Like, we're trying to do, like, good, delicious coffee to as many people as possible, no matter what. Um, sometimes that involves, like, understanding that the relationship we have with people is giving them something that allows their day to start off on the right point. And it feels so cheesy to say that. I don't, I don't mean it in like a cheesy way, yeah. but it means it's the reality, you know? We're there because it's not easy to wake up and have this ritual. It's really what it is. It's a ritual. Mm-hmm. Making coffee is a ritual. Just like going to the bar and having one beer after work is a ritual. Right. Um, and sometimes that ritual gets reversed. So you go to the coffee shop in the morning and then you go home and you have a beer at home instead. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's our job. And it, nobody showed up at the coffee shop expecting a bad attitude from us. Nobody showed up at the coffee shop expecting 
anything other than like, I, mm. I really need coffee and I hope it tastes good. And if they're coming to me and they're coming, they're going to pay me something to make them something that tastes good so they can get through their day and have like a good start to their day. Like I'm going to do my job and meet them there. Now, granted, is there a break in that social contract? And does that sometimes need to be addressed? Yeah. I think yeah. everybody should be allowed to address that just like your bartender would at the end of the night if you've had too much to drink. I think what's impressive though is that you have the capacity to do that right? Mm -hmm. For your job, mm -hmm. eight-ish or more hours a day. But when you leave and then you're back into society, you still have more empathy and kindness to give like as a person. Because I think just talking about me, if I had to do that for eight to 10 hours a day, when I left, I would be a fucking asshole <laughs> to like everybody I saw the rest of the day because I needed to get that out. Yeah. Like it was just, but you're a nice dude outside of work. And it's like, how, how are you not an asshole? Like how, how where, where does that come from? That ability to just have an overflowing amount of kindness or empathy or whatever words you want to use there. Do you not ever feel like just being an asshole? Oh, all the time. Okay, fair. <laughs> I, uh, That's what I wanted to know. Are you no, human or are you a robot? Um, no, man. I like. That means hard, man. It's it's really hard. It's hard to, it's hard to know producers personally and and like literally have been on their farm and like seen their hard work and like had them like feed you food, you know that like they made and mm -hmm. and and like be excited that you were there and then you're trying to sell people coffee and they're like. <laughs> I can go, I can pay $5 a pound down at research for that. I'm like, can you just make me a pumpkin spice latte, please? And it's like, uh, I mean, it, it just is what it is. Like, I'm like, it I don't happens. mind if people want to drink that. It's just like, don't come ask me for it. That's fine. Like, even ask me for it, just be okay with me telling you I can't do that for you. Right. That's fine too. I, I don't know, man. It's, uh, my life has been dramatically easier because I want to be nice to people. Mm. My life is so much better and, easier and I think there's a lesson to be learned by uh, everybody that, listening and watching wow. from that statement. Yeah. Like it, it's I, mean, I just really life advice. It. It's <laughs> easy to be nice to people. It's yeah. a conscious choice to be an asshole. I, I think true. so. I mean well, it really is. I don't know. I mean even then like I'm not even sure. Like I think that being an asshole is like almost like the easiest thing to do. Like being mean to people is easy. Like mm -hmm. it's so easy to be mean to people. It is a lot harder to be like, man, I just got cut off by this dude and he's like moving on. I'm gonna flip him off and say, well what if that dude just found out that his like grandma fell and he's like rushing the hospital? So right. his grandma, yeah. you know, and not to be like morbid. I just, you never know what people are going through. And for the most part, I just assume that most people are having a hard yeah. day. And I mean, there's the potential that that dude is just a dick, but well, also huge potential for right. that. Huge there, potential. there could be a reason. I'd be lying if yeah. I said that there wasn't just a, that, like, I've had so many people come in that are just, they're just mean people. And yeah. eventually you have to look at these people and you have to say like, Hey, um, we're not on the same page here. I don't know what you think is going on behind the bar. I don't know what you think is going on on your side of the bar, but like you can't say those things and, right. and we're still going to serve you. Like, yeah. right. You can come in, you can ask for tea. You can ask for things that we don't serve. You can ask for all kinds of stuff that we don't have. No one in the shop is going to give a damn shit. Just don't be mad about our answer. Yeah. Don't be mad about the answer. <laughs> yeah. And certainly don't be rude. And if you, if right. you're going to go be rude and you're going to talk down to people or you're going to like belittle the people that work there, who are just literally trying their best to do their job, like get out of here. Yeah. But on the other, other thing, like I think that they're in some ways sometimes in the service industry is also a, a very, um, and this goes back to my thing. Like, I think it's, I think it's easy to be angry and hard to be nice. Uh, and some days it's, that's vice versa. But I think sometimes there's this like thing where people just want to be mad at people that want to come in and buy stuff from them. And mm -hmm. maybe you just don't like people and that's okay. 
and you should maybe not work in the service industry for an extended period of time because that's not going to be a good job for you. <laughs> this is not for you. You're going to be sad and miserable <laughs> and so are the people that you serve. And that's okay. Like it's okay to not want to do that job, but don't make it miserable for the people that you're literally like right. are paying you money to get a thing and don't make it miserable for the people that are doing the job. And not, yeah. I don't think that anybody in my place has that. I don't think that anybody that I've like really been around in Tulsa, but I think everybody in their lifetime, whether you work service industry or not can tell when somebody didn't want to be around you when you were just like really wanting to enjoy the space. Right. And, but even then, like, again, it goes back to being nice. Like, even if that happens to me out in public, whenever I'm on the other side of the corner as a customer, I'm not going to be a jerk to that person because for all I know, they just found out the worst students of their life. And they're like in the 10 yeah. minute period that they have to tell their boss, I have to go home. Like, because of some tragedy. I don't never know. You never know. So it's, it's never, it's never, it's so much easier for me to just be like, I was nice. And I did what I you was You sleep better do. at night that way. Oh yeah. <laughs> Before I move us down the line, a totally different direction. Will you tell us about the yeah. Saison that we're drinking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So, Which is really good. By yeah, the way. I was going to say. Well, and for you to say that this is good, I'm, I'm opening up Belgian. a lot of doors uh, well, for I you. I like Saison's. That's like oh, the one okay. Belgian... Okay, let me ask no, no, you no, a, I, a beer question. You're though. good. So there's yeah. French saison and there's Belgian saison. What's the? Is it yeast? It would be yeast. Okay. This so is yeah, so this is a Belgian classic saison, uh, and you know, so we've got a little bit of our our base malt and a little bit of rye in this. This is why this beer comes off so peppery. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, saisons are so dry and a style because of a certain style of yeast, it's called uh, a diastaticus. So mm. it's an over attenuator. That's why they're so dry. And that's why they're so peppery. The description on this can and spicy. is like spot on. Yeah. Because well, it's talking uh, about the spices, unforgiving, unapologetic, but then it's dry and on the palate. I mean, it's 100% the best description I'm of a beer. Like it's exactly Le what it is. Le Leeson really knocked it out of the yeah. park there. When you say attenuated, what do you mean? So attenuated. Ooh, Charlie uh, going deep So voice. attenuation <laughs> is the amount of sugar being eaten by the yeast. So uh, usually the yeast will attenuate or consume around 90% of the sugar that is available to it within the liquid that we call beer. So we're going to have, you know, at the end of the day, uh, any style of beer is going to have in between one to 4% sugar content left within it that the yeast is just not going to eat because it's either tired or it just decided not to, yeah. or it got everything. lazy. Yeah. It whatever. got lazy, got fat and sassy that nappy. Uh, mm. Yeah. And so it, it, right now. once it gets to the point of its happiness, of you know it's gotten to the end of the plate where it wants to eat it'll fall out of suspension and stop fermenting mm. the difference between uh a belgian or a saison yeast strains and regular yeast strains is the two the, it's in a completely different branch of yeast strain and it's going to eat so this attenuated 100 percent of the sugar so that's why there's no sweet. It's that dry. There's finish. nothing okay. sweet about this beer. Gotcha. It is completely dry. There is uh, actually negative percent of sugar in Interesting. this. Um, it actually started eating the protein uh, content within this beer. So, so in the in the Belgian world, is this the closest to like, a you know, their single, double, triple, all that? Is Saison close to a single or is there so much more sugar in the single 
that is not even in the ballpark? Uh, great question. So this isn't necessarily a Trappist style beer. Mm. Uh, this is a farmer style beer. Okay. Saison uh, means seasonal, and they would be Saison. feeding this or giving this to uh, uh, the harvesters. The people picking the coffee cherries. The people picking Boom. the coffee cherries. Boom. Look yep. how our worlds just yeah. meld Boom. together. Uh, and let me blow your minds. So going on your point of how many years uh, it takes for a coffee bean tree to produce coffee, you said five years. Mm-hmm. So uh, to produce a new hop strain, do you guys have any clue of how long that takes? Fifteen. It takes 15. Did I nail it? Yeah, it in, in between 13 and 15 years. Come so on. like saying if you like, if you like cross, <laughs> like, uh, I don't know if you, if you did like a cross between like mosaic and, and, and Citra, just, just the name two like popular ones that like I know of just from beer stuff, like it would take 15 years to, for those, that cross to isolate to something that's producible and mm. different. Yep. So, and, so all the experimental it, hops that are just like, letters and numbers. Letters and Are numbers, they they're in the 12-year. Okay. So they're earlier on yep. in the window. They're I deciding the letters and numbers. I do too. Yeah, I do too. They're Marilux. deciding yeah. in that in that like 10th to 12th year when they have just letters and numbers, they're deciding whether or not it's able to go into commercial production. Yeah. So when you use that, you really have no idea the outcome. No. Uh-uh. I mean, like when a... Um, hmm. Uh, experimental batch comes out and it just has, you know, HB one, two, three, five, whatever it may be. Um, you might only be able to use it that year. And then you tell the hop producer, uh, yeah, this is super cool. And then enough breweries and enough people around in there has the world interest for says, them to, yes, yeah. produce this commercially, give it a name, let's go for it. And then it'll take another year or two after that to actually get it to a commercial level to where breweries can actually use it. That's interesting. Yeah. Could I grill you about a recent hop strain that's like been that? Is there go like, for it. I, have oh, no, I oh. just mean like what, it, like what uh, is something that maybe... Sabro. I think Sabro is relatively... I feel like the only thing yeah. I know would be like Vic Secret or something. Or even that, uh, might, that might not even be as new as I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> I just you feel know, like when I was working at Cerebral, so this was two years ago, three years ago now, I, we did an IPA that had Sabro in it and the coconut yep. beach nose on that yep. thing, like suntan lotion, basically. Mm-hmm. And it was the first beer I had seen with Sabro. Whether or not it was, yeah. but it was the totally. first one I had come across. So I feel like that's relatively yeah. new. It is, it is relatively new. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the, the, the hops that you would be most familiar with citrus brand new oh yeah i mean (laughs) centennial right (laughs) i mean in the relativity of the world sure sure right uh i mean like the 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 hops that would be uh within the 20-year range uh they've been in commercial for you know at least five years would be galaxy mosaic okay um and hops that are older that you wouldn't necessarily know as older would be like Simcoe, Citra. Mm. Those have been around for about 30 years now. Um, and uh, newer hop strains like Holler Tau Blanc, those have been around for about 17 years. Um, but like in commercial usage for about four. Mm. Um, and so 
there's just a lot of hops that come get into that world and then they die off because they don't get popular or, you know, they uh, uh, somehow pick up a disease and then mm. die off. Um, you know, they're very uh, uh, re- receptive to diseases, mm. which mm. is a bummer. Yeah, it is. And to get it to that, and, and that actually, I think it's year six to eight is it's testing of of its ability to survive kind of diseases and this, that, and oh, the other. Really? And, they, then, and then it'll go on. Do they breed hops for disease resistance with a like an mm. idea of compensation for flavor? 100%. Because I imagine that yeah. there's probably like a, a, a ground between the two where like disease resistance doesn't taste as good as... Right, you would think lupulin right. amount yeah. or whatever. I mean, that might be the wrong word. I mean, I mean, the the best disease resistant hops are the ones that are surviving the best. Yeah, um, and mostly going to be producing the best flavors. We're doing all right. Oh, don't mind me. I'm just <laughs> so part of what you don't know about Katie's podcast is about three quarters of the way through our audio. So we record the video separately from the audio. The audio is on like a recorder. The cameras record on their own media. So that's why we clap to like sync it all up. Well, the audio recorder, something happened with the battery that was plugged into it. It became dislodged and it, it just basically died. turned off. And so like, I just happened <laughs> to like lean back and look and there was nothing. It was off. And I was like, fuck. And so I let her finish her thought, which was brilliant. And I was like, now's a good time to stop. And we didn't get any of that. That thought was only for us. Yeah. And so I brought in a new audio mixer today, but I keep like kind of looking over there just to make sure that like (laughs) the bar's moving when I talk and you talk and it's still recording and all that. Um, All right. So let me take us. Yeah. You want to finish that thought? I'm going to finish my thought on the Saison and then we can move on. But uh, yeah, so that's why this, this beer is so dry. Talking about the attenuation of the yeast. It's a really cool beer. This is a the best beer style for food 100% because it's so dry it's so dry it's very highly well normally saisons are really high highly carbonated so if you're going to eat duck uh steak burgers pizza something really fatty and oily Mm. this is the beer style to do it i love that i love that too all right so let me you're obviously passionate about what you do right i mean Let's say so. You talked for I don't even know how many minutes when we started, just about <laughs> without even a question. Yeah, like it was brilliant. <laughs> just like all this stuff. So I think we could have just listened to I mean, him we for an hour. Yeah, I'm curious without though, interjection. Do you feel like coffee found you, or you found coffee? Oh, coffee found me indefinitely. So you weren't sure. when you started working at Double Shot. It wasn't. It was a job. It wasn't a passion. Oh well, okay. That's a great question, I, and I'd, I'd love to give you like some history for me. Uh, when I was first introduced to coffee, I was working at a Jamba Juice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was blending right on. smoothies. <laughs> and I was going to college at Roger State University in Claremore. Um, Welcome to the early 2000s. Go Hillcats. Yeah, no kidding, right? Yeah, go Hillcats. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which I, I was driving to Owasso, you know, to, to work every mm. other day or, you know, whatever it was, like for my like freshman to sophomore, like college job because I... I didn't really, I don't know why I didn't want to work in town. I just, I just wanted to work you in a smoothie to get shop. Away. Yeah, yeah. And it felt nice to go somewhere else to go to work. But uh, driving 25, 30 minutes to work kind of sucked. Uh, I, I decided it sucked so much that I decided to do it for a few more years after <laughs> <laughs> I got a job in Claremore. So after uh, I was working at Jamba Juice one day and this guy came in 
And uh, when we were working there, one of the things you had to do is you had to like ask for people's names like before you got their smoothie. You know, like, call them by name. Right. Customer right. service, everybody. Yeah. You don't write it on the cup like Starbucks. No, but you of course not. I'm a Jamba yeah, Juice. Yeah, yeah. Jamba Juice would never write it on the cup. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get a cease and desist for saying Jamba Juice on this podcast so much. <laughs> um, and he came in and his name was Andrew. And the second time he came in, I remembered him as Andrew which is my first name for those of you who don't know that I'm not, I'm not just Jolly. I'm Andrew Jolly. Right. Which, uh, time out. Where did Jolly come from? It's my middle name. Okay. It's my dad's first name. Gotcha. He's Jolly Andrew. Robinson's your last name. Robinson's my last okay. name. Yeah. He's Jolly Andrew. I'm Andrew Jolly. That's a, a family name. Fair so enough. Continue on with your go. story. So he came in, I remember, and he was like, wow, that's really nice of you to remember my name. Like, wow. Well, like he's made some joke about customer service. He's like, where where are you from? Like, what do you do? And I was like, well, I'm a student at RSU. He's like, why are you driving up here? Like, my dad owns a coffee shop in Claremore. Do you just want to come work there? And I said, yes. So I got a job at that coffee shop, even though I didn't like coffee, but I really liked the idea of coffee shop culture. Like people that came to sit and do work while they drink something that they enjoyed. Customer service, like being a high priority because I liked people at the time a lot. And I still like people, but some, you know, I'm, I'm older now. Less, I'm yeah. older now. I, I like I like certain people, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, I like nice people. <laughs> I guess is the best way to put it. <laughs> right. Um, and I I was really into it, and I worked there for for a while, and commuted to to Tulsa to do my college homework at Double Shot. Mm-hmm. And um, back when I, it was 18th in Boston, mm-hmm, back when we were 18th yep. in Boston, and I was there That's one a day. Long drive from Claremore. Yeah, it's about 40 minutes. <laughs> wow. And uh, one day somebody asked me, like, you drive up here every day. Like, do you just want to work here? You really didn't like Claremore, did you? I liked Claremore. Don't get me wrong. It you worked in Owasso <laughs> and drove to Tulsa to study. Okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> I just don't, I didn't like to stay in my dorm. I didn't just want to be like sitting in my dorm. I'm not oh. judging you for it. <laughs> yeah. I'm just calling out the obvious. That's all. There just wasn't a lot to do there. <laughs> That wasn't a true. lot to do. That is true. And uh, I think the, the, the city's grown a lot and they've they've compensated for a college life that was about as a college student. You know, I'm going to go to Tulsa. <laughs> I had a lot of yeah. other things I wanted to do in Tulsa with, I mean, there was so much going on. Like like Valkyrie, I think was, was not just opening, but like Valkyrie was a thing. Right. And was in its mm-hmm. early days. And I was, I didn't, I didn't know anything about all that stuff. I, I grew up in a very small town, like small very like, football star. It, I don't know about that. More like a, <laughs> I was there to make other people look good as a lineman. I did my job and other people <laughs> got go. to look really cool. <laughs> Fair. Um, but I mean, there wasn't like, you drank whiskey in no water. It's like a you, small you town drinking help. whiskey. Like right. it's just like you're partying, you're having a good time. Um, but drinking whiskey or gin in Tulsa was a totally different experience. You know, I remember the first, one of the first times like one of the handfuls of times I went to Valkyrie for the first time was Zach Coker and Aaron Post made him and I like aviation, like aviator, like aviations. And I had never had something like that. I didn't know gin could taste cool and not just be like this incredibly dry, like potpourri thing that I was shooting. Like, I just had like, right, I didn't know right, right. as a college kid. Right. But people in Tulsa, like I said, like customer service is just outrageous here. And no matter who you are, you could probably have a really great experience because people are going to give you the chance. And Aaron sat down and was willing to take his time with Zach and I. He's, we were young idiots. <laughs> I mean, we all were the, that. I mean, yeah. in the nicest way possible, but I'm sure that everybody that's older now, like, understands, like, you didn't know anything. You thought you knew the world, but you right. didn't know anything. 
And he sat down and he just made us something like classic cocktails and was very like entertaining, very educating. And I would say even to this point in my, my career, that moment had like an impact on my understanding of mm -hmm. customer service. And just like, again, like being kind to people, no matter where they are and their understanding of the product you serve, everybody deserves an opportunity to learn about mm -hmm. it. And if you can't meet them at that level and make your language digestible to them, there's like almost no point in doing yeah. it. Yeah. Right. You know, otherwise all you're doing is just making yourself look cool. And that's dumb. That's the dumbest thing you can do in the service industry is make yourself look cool. I hate that. That's so true. I hate that more than anything in the world. No one behind a bar is really that cool. <laughs> no, <laughs> never. No, you'll ne no, no one has we're ever. Just, that we're just cool. goons that know how to put things together. I, I would say that's the best. <laughs> That is right. how I feel every day. I'm like, I'm just, I, I, I like this stuff and I just want to make sure it tastes good when you put it to your mouth. Other than that, I don't know anything. Right. Because like, otherwise, like also like it's, it's a learning experience for us all too, you know? So they're say like, I'm the master of all this stuff. Like, cool. You've decided that you don't have anything to learn and you're never going to get better yeah. at your job. And I that's don't hear that. Dumb. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so funny story. You hear how I'm sniffing? Yeah. Every once in a while, there's something in a Saison that will trip my allergies. No way. And it's not every saison and it's not every time. And so right now I'm fighting a sneeze because if I sneeze, I'm going to keep sneezing for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> we'll have to go on break. We would. Yeah. <laughs> well, if I started will sneezing. you guys do one of those cool like B-roll edits where it's like you like sneezing like on a beat kind of thing? Like, that'd be really I'm going to cool, grab my water it over would, here. It would, have to, your, it would have to be the I don't, yeast. What, yeah. What would it be? Because uh, it's not yeast? every saison, not every time. Like I've had your saison before, yeah, and it didn't do this. But something about today, I'm gonna grab my water. But what would it be? Um, maybe the rye. I don't know, but I drink uh, rye whiskey. Yeah, but well, that that's distilled, so most of the allergens would be completely removed. Fair. Uh, that's why like whiskey is technically gluten free, yeah. because but it still comes from gluten. And that hmm. it's because that it's distilled and you're only drinking the alcohol that's coming from that content. Yeah. Did so, you save with a number two or a number one when you trimmed your mustache earlier this morning? <laughs> <laughs> it could be it. Could be it. You're right. It's that tickle in the nose. Oh, that's man. what it comes from. Um, so I'll go ahead and ask my second question. Yeah. Just for what do we want to do? You brought a brown bag. So I did. So we yeah. need a palette. No, let's save that. Ooh. Do you want to do this one next? Because yeah, I want to end with this, and I think yeah. we need a palate cleanser before that, which I think is in the brown bag. That, I think the palate cleanser is in the brown bag, yes. and I, oh, I hope that there's cleanser. a story for that. Oh, there's a story. Uh, I'm going to so, do this, <laughs> just so, so I don't start sneezing. Yeah, so uh, this is a really fun beer uh, for us. Uh, we just had a really random fermenter open up, and uh, our brewers all got really excited and giddy, and we threw a base pale ale uh into the fermenter so we didn't dry hop it we barely even hopped it um and this is going this is one of five pale ales that we're making from that base liquid love it so uh and it goes back to your uh, your question about uh what hops are you know coming out of that experimental phase uh this is Rakao, which is an Australian hop. Now, I'm not going to pretend that I am an expert in hops because if you know our brewery, we are a Belgian-German 
forward brewery and we don't necessarily live in the pale ale and IPA world, but it is really fun to, um, experiment sometimes and, uh, go down a path of, uh, creativity. So, uh, this is now available. Sorry. 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 COVID time still. We don't want to be drinking. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, you're good. You're good. This is, this is, uh, available and we released it, uh, this week, uh, in the tap room. So it's called Shades of Pale, Volume 1, mm. dry hopped with Raquel. I think it's 1.25 pounds per barrel. I thought you were going to say 1.25%. 1.25%. <laughs> I think it's actually something around 6%. I That's can't fair. remember. 6.2? So so, so you had said a moment ago, you, you, you mentioned uh, as, you guys identify mostly as a Belgian-German uh, brewery. I, I can, as a coffee company, sometimes there's a lot of things that we offer and a lot of things we don't offer. And sometimes people question what we don't offer. Do you yeah. ever run into issues where you've got customers that are like, well, how come you just don't have like this kind of IPA on? Or is that something that ever happens to you guys? Like 100%. And yeah. like, how do so, you like deal with that? Sometimes we do and some, some, sometimes we can't. Uh, before we had a chance to like educate Tulsa about what we were really passionate about, we would have people come in because they were really used to Prairie or whatever. And they thought, you know, uh, Newbury means IPAs and really, you know, distinct beers. Mm. Um, and everyone was used to Marshall's Brewing Company. Um, and they, they weren't necessarily walking in doing this, we would have people walk in and be like, all right, what kind of IPAs do you have uh, uh, available? And we were like, we well, got we, the one. We have one. We got Huntman. And at, at one point in time, we didn't even have that. Mm. And Was it just out of like a... like? Like no, supply chain shortage because I, we dealt with no, that no, a no, lot no. of stuff. So I don't oh, know if you guys have trust me, either. we could have a long conversation about that, but <laughs> we don't have to because I'm sure that everybody listening has probably been there too. Right? Yeah. Right. No. Um, form. No. We th- that was just not not our passion. Um, so they just walked out. They wouldn't try any other beer. They wouldn't. They, it was just like, oh, you don't have an IPA on. You don't have an, a, a hazy IPA. They walk straight they wanted, out. They wanted to chew their beer, <laughs> <laughs> I know. and we we would stand there like we we have we we have a never mind. <laughs> so <laughs> like, like, what do you what do you do like in that? I, I aside from I mean, I, 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 what do you do like in that scenario? You know, or do you just kind of like? I think you just have to be really nice. Like what you were saying is niceties uh, win over everything else. Uh, you can't necessarily fall into your anger and uh, or frustration in that scenario and really just ask questions moving forward of like, hey, we don't have IPAs or we're, we're not necessarily known for IPAs. Now we have pale ales and IPAs and this, that and the other. But in, in that scenario, you, you try to find, you know, a middle ground. You're like, well, what other kind of beers do you like to try? Do you like to try stouts? Do you like to do, you know, drink this or blah, blah, blah. And you find something that, you know, there has a comparable answer to it. And then they'll try something and then 
you see mm-hmm. the the light light up in their eyes and they're like, oh, wow, this is a, actually a really cool beer. And you're like, yeah, something other than IPAs can be cool. Yeah. But we dove into the pale ale, so. We did. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's I think, delicious. I was going to say, I think it's a great idea to like have a blank canvas and then decide like, okay, cool. We'll change one variable of the canvas. Yeah. Know. So, okay. The, the brewers are really excited to hear what you guys think uh, about this beer and what you think is going on because it came out a lot different than what we were expecting. Uh, both not proud of it and proud of it. <laughs> Uh, because we're we're just experimenting. This is this <laughs> yeah. is this is so, something that you know we we have no history with Raquel. We uh, this is just uh, yeah. We used it. I'm trying so hard not to sniff into the microphone too. <laughs> like I'm dying over here. Um, do so, we need to go on breaks? So no, no, no. Can, like uh, what uh, I might do is nose? when you ask your last question, I might run, blow my nose, and then come back because. Or I might just power through it. We'll just see. We'll just see what happens. Whatever's clever. Um, I can be here for whatever you need. Right, right, right. No, but we're not going to stop it. You can keep going on. I I trust you to ask a question and and have conversation. But so about this. So I told you I was with Josh Royal and Hayden yesterday. And we were at Solera. We walked over to try this. And there was something in it. But everybody's palate's different, right? Of course. So Josh almost got a buttered popcorn taste. Okay, interesting. But we said before that that meant that like there was something wrong with it normally if it tasted like that. I yeah. never got that flavor, but that was just his palate. Sure. For me, it's there's like a lot of greenness to it, mm-hmm. right? Like if you could taste yep. the color, there's yep. there's like you were talking there's about the green, green coffee cherries and that kind of stuff. Like there's a lot of young fruit coming forward mm-hmm. to me. Like I get a lot of that. That's perfect. Uh, there is, you know, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with his palate and say that there is so, uh, buttered popcorn would be diastole. Right. I don't think that there's any diastole. Cause I don't get any of that. This this is an, this is an ale, which is really hard to get diastole in. Yeah. But I'm not going to sit here and say that he doesn't. Everybody's palate's different. Yeah. 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 So what do you get? I'm, I'm going to wait. Okay. So you're going to wait. I'm going to wait for him. Because I, I, I have my own answers and I don't want to. I'll just like throw out some things I get. Because um, I usually am like, I'm like kind of all over the place when it comes to tasting stuff. Right. Uh, but if I was like just giving, and I, I, I'd hate to like dwell on it longer than I need to because if I do, I'm not going to, yeah. I'm going to give you like, I feel like I'm not going to give honest answers. So yeah. I'm going to start like thinking too much about it. But like my first like my inclinations, like almost get like a pina colada, like aroma. Like okay. a little bit yeah. of like, like. I want to say like artificial coconut, not in a bad way. Like, no, nope. like there's it's like artific- Hawaiian tropic. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, not going to hurt my feelings right. because oh, no, 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 this, no. this is completely experimental. This is super fun. I just don't know if anybody like viewing would understand like artificial coconut and understand like that's not a detrimental comment. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. That's because okay. like, sometimes we'll say stuff in coffee too, where people are like, well, it tastes like this. And like, it can mean like, oh, that's like fresh tobacco. And people are like, you mean or burnt smoke? chocolate. It's like, it's like no, 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 no. Tastes like, burnt? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. Now I somebody get, came in and they were like, this is like a green bean or tomatoes. I'd be like, oh no. <laughs> but, I get fresh tobacco in the Felix. Yeah. Almost every single yeah. time I drink it. Yeah. But for like, I get this, like I, I get like almost like, uh, like I said, like a little bit of like some artificial coconut, not in a, like again, not in a bad way, like in a good way. And then I get a little bit of um, like, creamy pineapple smell like if you were doing like a pineapple whip i got a little bit of that like where it's like a more subtle smell because again the pineapple's cold 
So like your olfactory bulb doesn't pick up on that like tropical aroma as much as like kind of like you pick up the creamy notes with the hint of pineapple, which I, that's what I get from a pineapple whip. I don't know about all you. Nice, but, nice. Uh, that's kind of like the aroma I get from the hops. And then like the wrap up, I get a little bit of that like sticky smell, if that makes sense. Like sure. A little bit of like some sticky pine, citrus, like stuff that like when I drink it, it clings to the back of my palate a little bit more than mm -hmm. the... The yeah. other things. I Those are say. some good descriptions. I do it for I a must living. say. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, and th those are all wonderful. I'd, I personally, so your greenness, uh -huh. I get like plantains. Mm. I get a little bit of chocolate and vanilla Ooh. out of this. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I also get wild onions. That's an interesting one. No, I can totally pick yeah. up what he's talking I can, about. I can pick it up. I can and, totally pick up what he's talking about. I keep sniffing as if I can use my nose right now. Sure, it's like, sure. Well, <laughs> there are a few productions <laughs> throughout Tulsa that I think have had that note that is like really unique and different. And I, like, I, think I have never used Raquel, uh, and this is a little bit older uh, uh, hop like it sat in our our uh, walk-in for a little bit, so it does have a little bit of uh, oxidation flavor to it. Not uh, the the hop, not the beer, um, but and then after all of that, I just get a little bit of cheesiness to it. Mm. Yeah, I could that, see that. That is uh, uh, if you, if you ever smell cheesiness in a beer, that is hop forward. That means that the the hop was aged uh, and got Ooh. a little bit oxidized. Mm. I just had an idea: mm. bourbon barrel aged hops. That'd be pretty cool. Could it work? It could work for sure, one hundred percent. So, <laughs> quick, quick, quick question. And this this does deviate a little bit from like German style stuff, but uh, but we don't actually get interviewed very often. I so know th th this is cool. I was going to say, uh, <laughs> and please correct me if my understanding is wrong, uh, because I, I'm I'm a hobbyist at best that has given up the hobby like years, That's fine. years ago. Uh, but Goose uh, blended Lambic mm -hmm. uh, traditionally, and, and Lambic itself, if I'm not mistaken, uh, uses aged hops as it's... It does. Yep. Um, would you say that the level of what you've talked about in this beer matches what you would expect from those hops in those beers? Or do you think that there's a distinct difference when it comes to aged hops or or hops that maybe are uh, even as like a commercial brewer that produces a lot of hopped beers yep. that are outside of that realm? Because I know those those beers take time, like longer time than probably what you would expect from a, yep. a production IPA, pale ale, or anything that requires some aggressive dry hopping or excessive hopping. Would you say that that is different or would you say that the, these two things are yeah, symbiotic so in some, the, root, some way the, there's there's almost no similarities uh of usage but that's a really cool question because there is usage of purposefully aged hops within blended you know sours and this that and the other and it's because they're not dry hopping it they're using it within the boiling process and it's meant to the, the reason that they're using aged hops, to my understanding, I haven't done this personally uh, or done much research. So 
I will have to plead the fifth if I get this wrong. Which but is such a, like a cool thing, like as a professional to like yeah. say, right. like in my opinion, like <laughs> right. I think that's just like I don't know. I I really admire uh, like I don't do this. Here's what I know. Yeah, yeah I think that's uh, really cool. Well, it's it's like if a coffee make uh, a coffee brewer is really really good at making cappuccinos and that's what they're doing, and or sure. like whatever on on a coffee maker but never does pour overs sure um not every so, roastery is a cafe and not every cafe is a roastery exactly so well put. so for 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 me I, I i don't do blended beers i don't do wild aged beers and this that and the other um but um i am very fascinated with them so they would use them on the hot side and also um use them primarily for the uh, a counterbalance of sweetness within that beer. Mm. So they're not looking, the reason that they're using the aged hops specifically is so that not a lot of hop flavor actually comes out in the beer. Um, and, but you're still getting that counterbalance of sweetness while also bringing in a little bit of, so the reason that they would use that cheesiness is so that you're counterbalancing also, the acidification of the sour. Good adverb. The acidification. Acidification. <laughs> the acidification of the souring adverb. process right. within that beer, so that you have you have a little bit of you know kind of a fake sweetness from the hop mm. uh, on down the road, and so that the that the beer is not necessarily entirely. Overpowering, uh, overpowering sour. Can I tell you this tastes totally different? And it could be that I can't breathe out of my nose, but that could taste totally different than it did in the tap room yesterday. Well, I, yeah, and, and and that goes to you know having okay. So our our brewery, the tap room, has you know let's say we had a scented scented candle, right? That's going to affect your experience within your oral factory and you might think oh wow this has some coconut with a blah 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 and that's really cool and this is really good and then you could have it at a restaurant mm -hmm. and you're like oh well this isn't the same beer and then the customer all of a sudden is really angry that the brewery didn't yeah. make the same exact beer and uh but all but also at the same time the restaurant that they're having it at has pine needles hanging above them and they're smelling those alongside so yeah yeah so in this sterile room you don't what have, are you trying to say about my room no no no, no. <laughs> I'm, kidding, I'm, this, kidding, I'm kidding this clean <laughs> and very put together room i see a wreath <laughs> doesn't have any candles or any yeah, people yeah. in it uh, and so that's you're fair. Not, you're not going to have anything. I like that as a, as a brewer, like whenever you guys are selling stuff to other restaurants, other places that might be featuring your beer, do you guys have standards where you're like, Hey, if you're going to do my beer, don't do X, Y, or Z, or don't do this, please. Like, so that it tastes the way that I want it to taste. I wish what I'm going to do you answer and then ask your last question. Yep. I have to go blow my nose. Yeah. yeah or else go gonna, for like, it. Start sneezing. So go for continue. it. Continue. I'll be right back. Like what, um, what happens when you're, or have you ever been at a restaurant? And you don't have to name a restaurant by no, any means. Yeah, no, no, no. But have you ever been in a scenario where you've like had your beer and been like, damn, this is tasting nothing like what I expected it to taste like? 
I, I definitely have. Um, and, and like, what is it like for you as, as the, oh, it's the producer? Yeah, it's, it's, um, and usually it's because a restaurant doesn't necessarily clean their lines correctly. Um, and if it's a restaurant that I really care about, I will raise the, the, the concern and I will tell the manager. You'll raise or the like owner, the, the, uh, yeah. uh, What's the restaurant where you, uh, the where you raise the flags? So oh, the raise more, the flags. <laughs> <laughs> you <get more> <laughs> some, <laughs> some sort of. Oh gosh, what restaurant was that? Uh, it was a Mexican restaurant that started in. Denver. Oh, I feel Anyways, so, I can't believe yeah, I can't it, remember it. <laughs> what was a kid? What was? Oh, that, that. Oh, I have fond memories. I want to call it Calaveras, but Calaveras and Kevin no, over here, and that's no, not the same no. thing. By uh, any means at all. But anyways, I, you'd raise the flag and you let them know, hey, we need I'd to make some. I need flag. some sopapillas for my beer. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it, you know, uh, this this restaurant's closed now, so I can say it by name. The the Blue Rose. Oh sure. Uh, and it it had nothing to do with their ability to manage and this that and the other, but. They put our saison on directly after like some blueberry prairie beer. Something would maybe like lacto or something on the line. Yeah, and and our saison tasted like blueberries, which is completely not what we were, you know, wanting. Right. Um, so that happens. Um, and am I mad at the restaurant or this, that, and the other? Absolutely not. Because I know that they have 22 taps that they're trying to manage. And they're also trying to order cabbage and, and meat and burgers and all sorts of stuff and trying to manage people at the same time. If I get the opportunity to coach them on cleaning the line, that's great. But also at the same time, uh, you know, it is frustrating because normally the customer is like, oh, well, this beer tastes like shit. And then they're like, oh, well, Cabin Boys makes really shitty beer. And it's mm. like, well, actually, the line was just not clean. Yeah. And that's not necessarily the restaurant's fault. Sure. Well, I mean, it is, but like they might not have known to clean it because they had it cleaned a week ago, but they blew a keg that just had a blueberry beer in it. And then they put ours on. And they were like, well, it was cleaned a week ago. Cleaning Whatever. lines is a bitch, too. Oh, it, it is. Yeah. And it's time consuming. And you have to do it while the, the you know, the bar is closed. And that's usually or overnight. Or like during like and, low hours. And it's like, and usually during those time frames with certain places, like not everybody, yeah. not everybody that you need to talk to in that scenario is probably there. So no, we don't, we don't, to go back to your question, no, we don't have any re- restrictions. We're not big enough for that. Um, usually if a restaurant picks up our tap handle, I'm just thankful that they did that. Sure. Yeah. Um, because we want to grow and we want to get our beer out there, but it is, it is sad or disappointing when, when you have your beer at a restaurant and it doesn't taste right. Yeah. Now, so yeah. coaching is a, a difficult thing and, yeah. and, and it's not necessarily always a fun thing to have to do, mm-hmm. I think to provide, because I mean, it's. It's difficult because I feel I feel like part of those things are half consultation and half literally just doing like selling them the thing you you already sell, and it's not always easy to consult the people that just want a thing, yeah. but to get them to to get the same result that they're hoping to have, there is a certain way to do certain things that you have to follow, sure. and or or you you want to you want to follow it as close as you can, 
And I think that really, it makes a huge difference. I, yeah. And I think you guys have probably been around in like long enough, like more than prob- probably you guys have been around long enough. Like I know you guys understand like where, where that can really make a difference when it comes to food or, or even anything, you know, yeah. taking the extra, uh, sometimes I like to just like equivocate it. to like, it takes an extra 10, 15 minutes. Right. And it could be an extra 15 minutes that you typed out the correct communication and double checked your communication takes the extra 15 minutes yeah. to make sure that, like you said, the sound over there is right. good and perfect and yeah. right. Or it takes the extra 15 minutes to make sure that like, well, <laughs> it takes the extra 50 minutes to clean the line. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> I should yeah. say not 15 yeah. uh, to make sure the beer is going to taste right. But I mean, not every restaurant has that priviness and not every brewery or, has that priviness uh, to send a dude out there to just literally spend an hour cleaning your line your dedicated yeah. line like that's not easy yeah. for every brewery to have to do i understand for a restaurant if you ever go to a brewery and their line is unclean that that's an issue mm. because you that have is your job one, that, right? that is yeah. your job that is the one spot that you have the control so if you know we clean our lines once a week every single week and if we change out a beer we clean the line, even if it's outside of the cleaning. So if you ever go to a brewery and you notice that their their lines are not clean, boy, howdy, get out of there. <laughs> boy, howdy. <laughs> get out of there be- and go to the next brewery because you can tell that they don't care. Yeah. <laughs> How big a boy are you? Yeah, all right. Um, or tell them if it's your favorite brewery. Yeah, right. Oh, man. <laughs> So I got one for you. All right. The biggest misconception or misunderstanding about Brian Franklin is? (laughs) He's a mean person. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, no joke. Like, He's not. No, not at all. He is an eccentric. He is his own person. There is no other Brian Franklin. He was a mold one of one. Right? I think I think Brian's an awesome dude, and I honestly wouldn't have a lot of the things that I have going on for me if it wasn't for sure. Brian and I having the kind of relationship that we and have I say that with all due respect, oh, he is man. just such a unique, like ultra marathon guy. Just has his passions and has his beliefs, and doesn't yeah. care if you don't agree or believe the same thing. It's it's life, right? Like, I think there's a yeah. lot of a lot about Brian, and and I've kind of taken this on to myself. But there's a lot of things that he does and a lot of things that I do, a lot of things a lot of people do that work for that company um, that we just, we don't really talk about because it's, there's no reason to talk about it because the, the only realm that it could enter would be basically just trying to make everybody look better. I don't know. And I think at the end of the day, when it comes to certain things that you do as a business, as a person, especially in, in today's time and age where everything is on in public view. And even like, I would be lying to you if I told you that like part of me, like a, a, a tiny percent of me, like wanted to keep my engagement secret because that's just mine. I wanted to keep it to myself, but also I'm, I'm so sick and pumped. Like somebody has so much <laughs> awesome help. And also like I've been keeping it a secret for months, but like when it, there's just so much stuff that I think happens there at that company. And I haven't been there for like a decade and there's a lot of stuff that happens that we just don't want really to talk about. So pull the curtain back a little bit. Let me re-ask that question. Sure. What's something about Brian Franklin that would surprise people that go to Double Shot often? So they know who he is. They've interacted with him, but they don't know him to the extent you do. They don't see him after hours. They don't like whatever that might be. So give me one thing that would surprise the people that know Brian even 
to an extent, like about him. Uh, Brian is the biggest animal lover I've ever known. See, I didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know that either. He loves animals. He loves dogs, loves cats, loves horse, loves horses. Like, oh my God. Is he a cat dude? Is that He's why? He's a cat dude. Is that oh, why wow. Double Shot's now in a barn? Ooh, <laughs> well played. I, like I mean, that. maybe yeah. like subconsciously, yeah. But I mean, that guy loves animals like to the end of the earth. And I think everything, like, even to the point of like, not just like loving like animals as they are living, but like loves animals in their like his, history. Yeah. Um, and oh, even like with cool. some of the stuff that we're doing now, like Brian touches a lot about like animals that are indigenous to Oklahoma. Right. And a lot of our branding and a lot of stuff that we're doing right now, like touches on like what's going on with the Wichita mountains. Um, we're doing some projects that give money back to friends of the Wichita, which, uh, That's cool. which, which benefit the, the nature reserve down there. And Am I right that his native designs logo has a Buffalo on it? Am I making that up? One or the of, buffalo. The you guys have buffalo coins. We, and we stuff have like that. we have a buffalo yeah. design, and then his another company that he runs called Native Design like talks about like has some references to stuff like that. But I, okay. I, okay. I would be lying if I told you that like oh yeah, that's definitely the yeah. Thing. I can't remember, I, but yeah. he he has his, he's got so many irons on the fire, and I think that's one of the reasons why I enjoy working with him so much is that you know sometimes like we can go sit down together as as a as a, a team. And I'm not going to sit down and talk to Brian about just coffee stuff that day. We're going to talk about food. We're going to talk yep. about uh, product design. We're going to talk about branding. And like that's what my background is in, is, is really in small business yeah. marketing and branding. Um, my entire history, like my my education stuff and my, my history is in. I have something to talk to you about today. We're going to do it off camera. That but sounds cool. I, I told Austin about the Ooh. idea. And I, yeah. I, I think it's something that, well, I don't want to say too much, like as we're sitting here, if we're not <laughs> going to talk about it here, but just stay tuned because I think it's something that's going to revolutionize a lot of different things. But I think you two would both be. Yeah. I'm down, to, I'm down to, to jam yeah. everything. Um, so. Before you ask your last question, what's in the brown bag? What, what are we doing here? We need a palate cleanser. Oh, okay. Oh okay. Katie Godoy this would be proud. Second round. <laughs> yep. Second round. Second in a round brown bush bag in a brown bag. Uh, I mean, shoot, guys. Like, Katie Godoy. I grew up in Nowata, Oklahoma. There you go. And you didn't bring it in a brown bag. I uh, I didn't drink. <laughs> I really didn't drink until I moved out of Nowata. But this is what my dad always drank while I was growing up. We'd come in from hunting deer, coming in from fishing, or we'd be on the boat. My dad was drinking bush. My dad's friends, we were drinking bush. Fill it up. And I mean, he he is the... My my dad is like really where I learned to drink beer from. Oh wow, it's like a, like a saison head. That's great. You're perfect. Welcome. Hey, uh, that's, that's got right. like some SL forty eight and some uh, Bretois in it. Not, <laughs> not only did you bring Bush, you brought the big one. Oh yeah. Um, uh, I mean, I grew up in Nowata. Like we didn't have IPAs, nice. saisons. I, I'm fortunate enough now that my my cousin in law Stephen Pippen he he runs uh, Dollhouse Brewing. Uh, oh, so wow. like I've got family that are in it now, but even before that, I like was, I got super excited about beer. Like just as soon as like, I remember yeah. when Prairie Standard was coming out with like the little brass caps, yep. like in four oh, packs, yeah. like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think, and I mean, somebody's going to correct me and, and maybe correct the podcast. Maybe you guys can edit this out, but like pretty sure it was still oh, no, it's staying Brett in here, even at if the time. Yeah. Like you could get, it had Britannia Manises packaged in the four pack at the time. Yeah. But I might be wrong about that. Are you talking about Prairie Standard? Prairie, OG yeah. Prairie, like yeah. original, like the first release of Prairie Standard, I think had I would, Brett packaged in it, like House Brett. I, I would say that a lot of the variants thereafter did as yeah. well. Now, Chase might listen in and say, 
No, it didn't. No, please. But no, Chase, <laughs> Chase, correct me if I'm wrong. I will happily admit that I'm incorrect, but I drank that a beer, lot of that, that stuff. That beer was and is great still. I to spent this day. way too much money on prairie beer as a young college student. I did not, I don't know. I, I should have just been drinking Bush Light, but as like my dad did. But anyways, so I like brought all this stuff home, you know, like was bringing home ridiculous, like I had no idea. So I was bringing home like, like what was that bridge point or, or, or what was it? It was like Hop Czar or something oh, way from, back uh, in the day. Bridge, Bridgeport, Bridgeport. Or Bridgeport. Like way back in the Bridgeport. day. And they like had like Ebenezer, all these different weird beers. Hop Czar, was that not Avery? That's New Belgium. New Belgium. Are you guys sure? I feel like Hop Czar was, was, was Bridgeport. Hop Czar was New Belgium's... Maybe it was Avery. Because I think they had the whole Czar series where it was like, well, yeah. the, well so they had the Kaiser right. and then they, they had, had the Maharaja that, right. and then they had, uh, there was one more. There's yeah. one more. They had the Kaiser, the Maharaja, yeah. and then they had one more. And I can't remember the name of it. I don't know. Maybe, I can't it the, maybe it was Czar. But They're right down from the road. But I swear to God, other, so. Bridgeport. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's all of the same. I swear to God, Bridgeport had something called You Hot might Czar. be right. You mm-hmm. might be right. Either way, I would go to this little, like crummy little beer store in Claremore. And I would just buy whatever weird thing that I had no idea what it was. And so I remember, I remember my first year in Nevada Pale Ale. Awesome. Loved it. Had no idea that beers could be <sighs> Does that Does anyone cool. forget their first Dude, year in Nevada Pale Ale? I beer. think people do. I, I think they do. I, I mean, it's just like one of those things, you know? Um, I remember my first Coupe DNR. Like that was mm-hmm. that was a weird experience. <laughs> I remember when I remember I remember I don't remember my first coupe DNR, but I remember my first coupe F5. I was gonna say you remember your first coupe DNR hangover? Uh no, but I remember my first coupe F5 hangover. <laughs> yeah, dude, that hits hard. It hits, hits like an F5. Hard. It oh, fucking man. hits. Dude, yeah. I had like no idea. Well, it just came in that big old bottle. You just got in a big bottle. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know what to think of all that kind of stuff, especially like as like a Again, like in my mid, like early twenties, like I just you could it afford cool it because I worked. 20s? <laughs> Trust me, I did not. I was an idiot. I was an idiot, and I have a lot of college debt. I have a lot of college debt. You guys, uh, by the way, have seen the full cycle of my allergies. I, you have struggled throughout the entire day, just when we open this. Yep, and I'm very you sorry. Only had, no, you only, no. oh, it's yeah. crazy because you only had like a mustache when we first started. Like, made your right. whole beard grow out. <laughs> like, it's all here. No, but like, if I wouldn't have blown my nose, it would have been an issue. But now I can breathe again. I'm good. Now you're good. But like, yeah, that that welcome to my life, y'all. <laughs> right? Like this, this is it. Um, I mean, last question. What do you got? Right on. Uh, okay, so going off of kind of my last question and I'm really curious uh so I feel like coffee has coffee kingdoms sure so what what is it like in the backstory of the coffee war or let's call it the bean wars uh, <laughs> uh that people actually don't see because I have friends in every single coffee shop and it seems like everyone has this underlining, like we love them, but we hate them mm. uh, vibe. And I'm sorry if that's wrong, mm. but it, it's there. But uh, also at the same time, Tulsa has such an inviting community that it is never seen. So how is it for Double Shot and what would you like to see within the Tulsa community for coffee in the future 
and maybe kind of break those uh, break those walls down or uh, uh, moving forward and what what would be your perfect scenario within the coffee You're doing scene. that whole five question and a question thing. I know, again. I know, but it all has one subject. It does. It does. It, it all does. has one subject. They're good questions. They're good questions. I, I, uh, I think that if anybody in the coffee industry has anything that they would want to challenge me on or is anything they'd want to say to me about what we do, I would, I would invite them to please come meet me and talk to me about it. I would love to find out where they feel like we have differences on and what they think that I, I really like would love to have those kinds of dialogues when there's time and appropriate times for it. So do you say that in the Catch you don't think there's that many that? differences? And like you're curious to see why they think there is, or you just want to I would say hear it from I would them. I would say I would love to be com- more competitive about things in a way that's not vindictive. Mm. And which no. I in my opinion, I don't think anybody in the coffee industry currently has ever been vindictive about anything that's going on. I would sure. say that there's almost like more of a customer trope that's been perpetrated. Um, sure. But I mean, like, I'm not going to start a drive through like Cirque has that locked down. Like, that's yeah. not my job. Yeah. And that's not my place. Like, they've got that little spot. People love it. They do what they're doing. And I'm going to let them do it, you know. And uh, there's other companies that do other things really, really well. And I think that we've got our little niche that we fit. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm kind of a firm believer that, like, a rising tide raises all ships. And that if the coffee industry in Tulsa gets better, it means it's a better coffee industry for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I would... If I was going to throw anything controversial out there, I would say I'd love to see all of our own baristas here in Tulsa um, repping and talking about how great everything in Tulsa is and not talking about how great other places around the United States are and how much better they're doing coffee Mm -hmm. or or looking at them for inspiration and look at your own city and look at the own people that are around you and vibe with the people that are around you because like those are the people you can count on. Like you can't count on the other people. That's interesting. You can think about it. You can talk to them. But at the end of the day, like this is your stomping ground this is your territory and this is like what you're representing. And I think that to, to, to miss that opportunity to be very explicit and be very particular about what you do as a company and who you are as a barista and what you want to represent when there's so much versatility and so much opportunity in the city, I think that it's, it's, it would be silly to look at another city and say, I want to be like them. I think it's more important to say like, like figure out what we want to be. Well, Which Tulsa, for me, I, I'm more than confident about what Double Shot is, and I know like where we're gonna where we're heading, as you what should the next be. few years are gonna be like. I don't work for a lot of the other companies in town. I don't work for them at all. I don't even do consulting for them or anything. Um, I do I do have wholesale company like wholesale representations in different restaurants that I'm I'm very proud of, and but I'm very thankful that they trust me to help set them up for the best coffee experience they can offer their customers. But shoot, man, like all I want to see for Tulsa is for Tulsa to be Tulsa. I don't want to be I don't want to keep mm-hmm. Tulsa weird. I want Tulsa to just be Tulsa. I don't want Tulsa to be right. any other city but Tulsa. And that's what I think is the most important thing that every other barista in Tulsa can can understand and rep. Is that leads like perfectly into my last question too. Yeah. Go for it. But first, we are now having our glass. The 2021 variety of Booker's bourbon. So this one is called the Bardstown Batch. They each have their own unique name with their, their sticker and, and all that stuff. So it's... It's a Jim Beam product. I am. This is my first time to ever have Booker's. 
I am very hopeful. Cheers, gentlemen. I almost just like crashed that glass. Um, you were excited. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know he was right there. I was coming. Kind of, <laughs> boom. Um, is this a map or did my my glass crack? It is a map of Houston. <laughs> I got it when I went for a bowl game or something down there. It was like in the welcome package at the hotel back in my previous life. But uh, as a ball player. No, as a media member, uh, I hope this is. I hope this is better than Old Tub because Old Tub was also made by Jim Beam, and I specifically did not like Old Tub. So. Yeah, well, this smells like fire. Oh, that's fucking delicious! I get so much sweetness on the back end of that. It's like a caramel goodness. Man, and it's a smooth burn yeah. right in the chest, not in that's the, the one twenty five point five proof that we're drinking. But it, but it's wow, not that like is really smooth for yeah, way high alcohol. No water, no ice I, in that. I was either. about to say, I was like, wait, hold on, you said what? I just got <laughs> definitely not what I was thinking it was going to be based off a of taste. What would you have put it at proof wise if you were proof wise? Definitely not bad, like ninety. Okay, I'm gonna say something. Really yeah, weird. probably something somewhere closer to that for sure. Because on the sides of my than I was sides of my cheek, I taste sweet Dude, that potato. Is so good, like cinnamon sweet potato. This to like me, you mean like Thanksgiving in the casserole yeah, dish? This be, yes, it, this absolutely. is the perfect time of the calendar to be drinking this bourbon. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Say, I'm like, man, this is yeah. like, that's so good. I would just bake the sweet potato and then put this on the side and just be like, Ooh. have a bite and then eat, or like with a little lemon wedge, like yeah. how Colin would have done. Right. Like Japanese sweet potato, right. lemon wedge, this. If it, if it wasn't so expensive per bottle, I would say you'd fucking make like a syrup out of it or something. Oh, and, yeah. And put it in the, That's the awesome. sweet potato. Yeah. Or mix it with syrup and then put it on your waffle. I get something different on the <laughs> nose. Yeah, that would be good. <laughs> I get something different on the nose than I do on the palate, though, with this. I almost get a banana y note on the nose. I, I was going to say some sort of. I, I was like going to say foster. squash or something. To me, it's like bananas foster. It's like a sweet, a sweet banana on the nose. That also could be this like is my, really cool. my half allergy nose going. No, 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 no. You're, you're, it's you're probably not helping you. It might. Yeah. I get that's, a lot of spices so on the nose. I'm so happy with that. I'm so much better than Old Tub. I definitely get like, <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is infinitely better yeah. than Old Tub. Sorry, Old Tub. No, I'm sorry, Old but, Tub. Uh, yeah. Nope. New Tub. New Tub. It's the New Tub. <laughs> new Tub. Were you about to say something to interrupt oh, oh, no, 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 no. I was just going to say, like, man, I pick up on spices for sure. Yeah. Like, especially like Christmas spices, like nutmeg, yep. cinnamon, yep. baking vanilla, spices, all that stuff. Yeah. You know, definitely not like no one's picking up. I'm not picking up like fennel. I'm not picking no, up, no. you know, things like that or coriander. Mm. I'm picking up straight up. Man, baking spices like this is like might as well like dissolve the gingerbread man. Yeah, and put them in my. Yeah. I'll tell my you guys glass. if you like bourbon and you see this anywhere, that is Christmas. You pick Delicious. that up. Yeah. yeah, it is well worth the what eighty nine bucks. What What's the uh, the the hot candy? The red, the red hots, uh, red hots, or the uh, right on the uh, nose, the hot, like the right hot tamales too. Hot tamales, yeah, hot tamales. Give them a little like, right off the nose. I get a little cinnamon. Uh, yeah, bag. right off the yeah. nose. Yeah, now that you say that, I get that Mood too. Yeah. Bag. Mm, that's delicious. All right, last question. We'll let you get out of here. You have a fiance to go home Girl to. Shucks. How about that word? It's it is yeah. honestly the most surreal thing in the world. I use like, the f uh, word on you, dude. I uh, I ran into some some friends over the weekend. It was my first time to where they were like, "What did what you get? What did you get into this weekend? Like, what's going on?" I was like, 
well, I, it was Natalie's 30th birthday. And I, and I was like, I almost like hesitated. <laughs> so I was like, I propose. So she's my fiance now. And they were like, what? what? Yeah. It was, it, I mean, it's, it's really meow, surreal. Meow, meow. I mean, hands down. I mean, <laughs> one of the coolest things I've done in my whole life. That's like, awesome. Truly. I, pr- I proposed. What is this? T- uh, December. What is today? That's a great question. Yeah, uh, December twentieth. I would have. Yeah, the, no, no. Oh, it is. It is the twentieth. It is the twentieth. Yeah. Yeah, I would have proposed. Oh gosh, October seventeenth of twenty ten. Okay. Shoot. So I'm eleven years in. What's funny is I was married prior to you. Once, oh. a, once in my life, yeah. I got married. Uh, still friends with my ex, just wasn't meant to be. That's Whatever, fine. all yeah. good. Uh, yeah. But we got married 080108. That's just an easy one to remember. That is a way easy one yeah. to remember. Yeah. 080108. Yeah, it was very easy to remember. And it's still weird because like she'll message me on that day <laughs> sometimes and be like, uh, hi. Like, what do you say? Like, not happy, Anavert, but just like, uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's August 1st. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it is. Happy August 1st. <laughs> right. right. We we got married August thirteenth. There you go, two thousand eleven. Nice. Yeah, I like it. All right, so we'll so, let you go on this. You yeah. talked about mm. Tulsa staying Tulsa, not being you know keeping Tulsa weird, culture being what it is and kind of its own thing, right? Oh yeah. So in addition to coffee, you DJ. <laughs> yeah, I do actually. <laughs> right. <laughs> Table talk when when I, when I have time. Yeah. When you have time. So I think you were in a position, a unique position to actually define what that culture is more so than most people we've talked to, because not only do you see thousands of people a day and converse with them and get a feel for the type of people that live in Tulsa, you also see them with their hair down when you're DJing for them or when you're going to Vitus and hanging out with Tanner or whatever that may be. So if you were to define Tulsa's culture and where you hope it goes, what would that be? Oh man, that's, I mean, that's easily one of the toughest questions ever because Tulsa has such a great diversity of, uh, I, w- I would say, niche cultures. And I don't mean that in a weird way. I think there's what we're so good at in this city is everybody yep. being willing to bridge the gap between cultures and between concepts mm-hmm. and between ideas. And I think we have a thriving um, like house culture, thriving hip-hop culture. I think we have a thriving... I mean, all aspects of music are... It's popping. I mean, it, it's yeah. unreal. I mean, yeah. I, I can't say enough about it. We're between, I, I feel like I shouldn't even start naming names because there's so many different uh, parts of Tulsa that are doing such a great job. There that, are yeah. that I, I I wouldn't I would I would hate to say start listing them off and leave somebody out. But I mean, between like things like the Fire and Little Africa project to uh, Mercury Lounge doing such an amazing job of hosting and making a place for musicians to. You know things that are always happening at the Canes. To I mean, every I heard Vanguard is. I was expanding. Vanguard does really? amazing stuff. Yeah. In which direction? To the, the violin shop. South. Ooh, I hope not. Because that's that. what's south of them, right? They're they're breaking down some wall. Well, they're not going north because that's Hunt Club. Yeah. So they'd have to go south, and I think yeah. that's the violin shop. I love walking by that place. Do they have yeah, more room too. out towards the alley? I don't know. Maybe, like maybe, the but they're, they're, they're yeah, expanding maybe. anyways. Interesting. Sorry. Yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 no. I mean, it's, but I mean, that's, that's part of it though. I mean, that's like one of the, one of the downtown venues and areas where things happen. And I would just say that as a music city, as a food city, as a drink city, as a culture city, Tulsa is 
only going to continue with leaps and bounds. And I think the more of our own people that are there for every bit of it and are willing to support it as aggressively and as intentionally as they can, they will see the city that they've always wanted, if not more than they've wanted, come to fruition. Because mm. I, 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 I would hate to say that we're there. That's not fair to everybody that's still putting in the no, work. We're not even for sure. That's not for fair sure. to everybody that still has hopes and dreams that haven't been met yet. We have so much still left to do to continue to make Tulsa what Tulsa is supposed to mm. be. I mean, we're killing it here. And I think we're doing such a great job when it comes, again, to music, to, to food, to culture, to job opportunities. But we need to keep going. We need to keep moving forward. Do you think that Tulsa's community is getting rich because of, so the going off of your DJing and this, that, and the other, but it seems like the people that are diving into their passions are just diving deeper. Mm-hmm. And we, we don't have very many, many splinters. Mm. Like, like my, uh, my, what do you mean by splinter? Like I, I make beer. That is my passion, and I really don't have. Like, are you talking sure, about me? I, like, because I could almost be a splinter because no, I no, have no, this, no, no, no. but then I Who also am a no, 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 no. Your passion, and honestly, we need to we need to go into your passion on the podcast right. some more. But you don't splinter. Okay. Your your passion is media, and this is why the the podcast actually exists. And is giving a voice for the Tulsa community, and what? So your your passion is coffee. It, it might have splintered off into a little bit of DJing, but I, I mean, I think I did music before I did coffee. I think it's almost yeah. customer service. I would customer say honestly, service. man, like my whole thing. Yeah, is, yeah. I want to I want to take care of people in a way that like yeah. the DJing does that, as does the co- like right. different completely different avenues, right? Yeah, I would say coffee is just a bit like I I got lucky enough to get hooked up with somebody who gets me. Like me and right. Ryan are just a, I couldn't ask for a better teammate. I mean, the guy gets me and and gives me a lot of room yeah. to operate in a way that I need to operate for mm. what my side of the business and what I do for him to be successful. And I'm really thankful for that. But I have a really good relationship for him. Yeah, we've, we've got good bartenders mm-hmm. in Tulsa. We've got good baristas. We've got good brewers. We've got good chefs. And once people find their avenue within this town, it's like they stick there. Even though, uh, like, even if they go into Italian cooking or French cooking or whatever it may be, like my avenue is now beer. Right. I don't think I'm going to splinter from that. Mm. That's interesting. And you think that's non-splintering? How like, does that? then play into the culture of a city like it it helps define it because you have like certain lanes that well and people it, stay in or how would you equate I don't, that i to, don't know i think it's yeah. because people stay in their lane maybe and and th- there's nothing wrong with that no the, i think that that's why it makes it strong like elliot um was talking about you know his definition of what he's supposed to be for tulsa and he is supposed to make Which the answer Tulsa. is mayor. Yeah, the answer is mayor. But like his answer was, how can I make Tulsa better? Yeah. And it is by doing what I like what he does. Running and managing restaurants. It's not running and managing banks. 
Right. right. It's restaurants for him. It's coffee shops for you and or customer service. Hopefully. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A customer like I think that that's really special. Mm. Anyways. No, it's interesting. No, I, I that's think interesting. You're absolutely right, man. I, I think that the sooner that people in customer service realize that like their real job is managing expectations and taking care of people, then their jobs are gonna be ten times easier. Yeah. Because like making drinks and making things taste good for the most part, I think will make itself happen. But taking care of people and making people feel good and making people feel like you want them around is so much harder. Yeah. Mm. That's and a good, that's important. A good, that's a good place to end it right there. Yeah, that, that's, that, was, a, that was good. That's a great little place to end. When can people see you and where? They can see me Monday through Friday at Double Shot Coffee Company. You can expect me there from sun up to sundown. I'm there to take care of you and I'm there to make sure that the people that are taking care of you are taking are taken care of so that they can take care of you and if you go in on a monday brian loves it if you knock on the window like he's a zoo oh, yeah. animal <laughs> please while please. he's roasting beans. please please do it please make sure that he knows that you are watching him and that he knows that he is and you can give him one of these like i'm watching you I'm watching you he yeah, loves to get every one of them rocks out before we pass them on to the de-stoner right it makes go. it a lot more difficult when there's a lot of rocks on there. See? Oh. Oh, he's there, it, there's it's nice coffee. for somebody that actually spends like 40 hours doing something a week as opposed to like somebody right, who right. shows up and is like, yeah. Like the fact that he comes in and actually does work is pretty nice. So, well, man, well, cheers. 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 And by the way, guys. this if, gets hotter as it like sits yeah, in the air. My my mouth is now numb. Yeah. Like so, every sip I take now, I feel it go back up into my sinuses, yep. which is great because it's totally cleared them out. So, yeah, hmm. there you go. It's just like a really strong but bush if, light to me. <laughs> <laughs> but On that if note, you, uh, if, <laughs> yeah. if you make it out to Double Shot, they've got so many different coffees that are yeah excellent, and they do. And take advantage of the baristas there because they are very talented. And might I recommend the cranberry orange breakfast sandwich? Mm. Oh, it's that's, so that's good. my go-to. Yep, once a week though, uh, it's like a treat. Usually, oh, right. like Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Mm. And John Moss can have one breakfast sandwich yep, a week I, as a treat. Their French toast, French toast, which it, isn't in there all the time. That's it's a, from it's until noon. We make the brioche in house. That we make the French toast. It's made from scratch. Oh man! But then I was going to say I recommend also buying one of the chocolate bars that is sitting by the register, which mm. are also produced by another local Tulsa company that we work with, Glacier Confection, to make those chocolate Shout bars. Shout out, Katie Mabry. So no, no joke. Like they've, they've been so good to us, like helping us take yeah, care of those awesome. and make, like literally sourcing four different chocolate. Like, like seriously, I had no idea that. So chocolate- how does that work actually? Do you send them because it, it has names that coincide with yeah. the coffee. So do you send them coffee grounds or like how, how does that work? We give them pre, like I would say pre ground. It's the day that they're making the chocolate bars. They show up and we grind like the when they walk through the door is when we will grind up the coffee to a specific size for them to use with the chocolate bars and mm. they will blend it with the chocolate bar, temper the chocolate bar, package the chocolate bar that day, the day we ground it so that any sort of aromatic oil that had the opportunity to maybe be oxidized or had the opportunity to uh, evaporate isn't we were trying to we're trying to lessen that amount as much as possible so that when oh, you get cool. a chocolate bar. The texture's there, 
the snappiness of the chocolate's there because I don't know if you guys know this, but if chocolate does not snap whenever you get it, it's not fresh. Ooh. Chocolate should be snappy. Well-tempered chocolate, fresh-made chocolate. That's should an be, adverb. Should, should be, snappy. be snappy. There's your adverb. You should be snappy. able to literally like hold it up to your ear and it should go, Mm. Or they should have like a, a noise, an audible noise. And go. that's like another thing that I, I think is important to note. And I wouldn't have ever known this until we started working with Glacier. Yeah. That chocolate has a freshness lifespan just like coffee does, just like certain beers do, and just like certain yep. foods do, you know? Mm. There we go. That's awesome. Um, so you were episode number nine. Just so you know, Lisa from Farm Bar is episode 10. But also what we're doing for episode 10, we can go ahead and tell people oh. now because this is the official invitation. Oh, the, the, we are. You're the first are, to hear this. You are the first to hear this. So episode 10 will take place. If you made it this far in the podcast. Right. At the cabin or cabin boys. Oh, shit. Got their name. Right. And Am so. I see on the camera? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Shit. Oh, shit. Yeah. I guess oh, you yeah. said oh, fuck shit. earlier. So. Yeah, oh, yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. shit. Um, cabin boys. Cabin boys. Cabin. So as many people from the first 10 episodes that can wow. make it. We'll come out. We'll have. Really? There's going to be two or three yeah. chefs there that were on the show, so someone's going to want to cook. And so. I will. I will actually. I I have. I have already been making a map of what I'm going to make for awesome. it because I am going yeah. to cook something. What a cool awesome. thing! So yeah. you are ah. officially invited. You made the first. So every tenth episode, we'll do that out at the out at the cabin. So absurd. Y'all are absurd. That's yeah. the sweetest thing I've ever heard. So, uh, <laughs> well, that'll be sometime, you know, after the new year in January. So I'll, I'll, give, you a, I'll give you a heads up. Yeah, let yeah. me know. Maybe yeah. a second or third week it. of January. Yeah, probably. something I'll like that. I'll bring cool coffee and more beer. Done. Yeah. Hey, congratulations on the engagement. Thank you, Give guys. Natalie our best. I will. Thanks Cheers. for coming on. Yep. Thank you guys for having me. This of course, awesome. man. Thank you really very much. Yeah. We'll be right back after Cheers, the break. Cheers, guys. Cheers. And that is Andrew Jolly, the governor. Oh, but no, we're changing that. The czar. Uh, lieutenant? We're going to say czar. Because that came up in conversation. So the czar of Double Shot. Right on. New yeah. business card, Andrew Jolly. The czar of Double you're, Shot. You're going to have to print new new business cards. New business cards. Uh, that was that was a lot of fun. We had a lot of good beer, including I actually really enjoyed the bush today. Yeah. Yeah. It was, a, a, it was a good palate, palate cleanser. cleanser. It was great. Yeah. yeah. Um, your pale tasted a lot better to me today. Might have been because of my mild allergy attack that I had mid-show. Because of my first beer. Because of your first <laughs> beer. Fuck you. Because of your first beer. Um, but yeah, like all in all, like it was, that was a lot of fun. It was good conversation, good drinks, good people. It was, it was fun. It was yeah. really fun. Uh, really good perspective and a completely different uh, um, point of perspective within the service industry yeah. in Tulsa. Absolutely. We haven't done coffee yet. We hadn't. Yeah, there'll be one more coming up in in a couple of weeks. We'll have yep. uh, one of the guys from Cirque on as well. So yep. we'll, we'll just get. It's just fun to get differing views on on where things are, where they stand, and where they're going. Yeah, and uh, I guess we broke the news. I'm excited yeah. to uh, episode 10. have everyone out for episode ten We're out of the cabin. Trash that cabin, bro. Oh, my my mom's already sweating. <laughs> <laughs> No, we'll be good. We'll clean up. But uh, you broke the news that you want to cook something. Yeah. Now, is uh, this the... Who were we talking to? It was Noah. Noah wanted to pair some wine with some of your venison, right? Is that yes. what you're thinking? When So I will be doing something okay. with venison. Nice. And uh, the first, you know, I, I, I'm going to make it for 12 people. And so hopefully, you know, 
whoever comes first or we can just do smaller portions right uh will have a dish that is south african there and we will uh, i want to talk about that on the 10th episode we will absolutely so uh that will be second or third week in january so now we can tell you merry christmas because merry you christmas will everyone not see us until after that happy holidays bro so merry christmas andrew jolly yeah cheers and uh we'll see you from the cabin for episode 10 right Right on. All right. Sounds good. Cheers. Thank you.